everyone hello and welcome to tonight's live stream i am honored to have you with me tonight tonight i want to submit to you we are standing in a time where the word of god and what everyone knows no one knows and what i simply mean by that is we're in a place where all everyone in the world, it seems, have heard about the Ten Commandments, the Bible, about Jesus and all of these things. And as soon as they hear it, they would say, I've heard that before. But I want to submit that it is in that false assurance of having knowledge of things really we may not have the knowledge of that we find ourselves in great danger. And so I would like to submit to you, dear brothers and sisters, that we are in a place where um, we have forgotten the very words we say we know. And I want to submit that as tonight, we're going to look at the, those 10 commandments. We're going to dig a little deeper than just do not murder. We're going to dig a little deeper than just don't steal and, and all of these things that we, we know. But I want to submit that under the surface, there's so much more there. And so many of us may even find ourselves guilty of transgressing the very commandments we think we know. So I want to submit that ultimately a nation of God, we are supposed to be known by two things. And we read about that here in Deuteronomy 4, verse 6, wherein we read, he says, keep them and do them, the commandments, this, for that will be your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples who, when they hear all these statutes, they'll say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has a God so near? Now listen a God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us whenever we call upon him. And number two, what great nation is there that has statutes and rules so righteous as all this law that I set before you today? See, see, there are two things that we are supposed to be known by. The God that we serve that is so near, so alive, so real, not like the God of the pagans, a God who actually moves and delivers and does miracles. And then number two, the fact that he's given us holy statutes and rules. And if those two things aren't in your life evident, then what God do you serve? See, this is the thing. Our life is supposed to just emanate with the fact that he is alive in us and emanate with the righteous rulings that he has given us and that we are walking out. And so that means that because he is firstly so near, so alive, so real, we have to look to him as the deliverer, the one who can set free, the one who hears and answers our prayers, the ones who comforts us, the one who gives us dreams and who gives us visions. See, I want to submit that it's one thing to teach someone a commandment. It's one, but it's another thing to teach someone to love. A commandment is something that you do, right? So it's a, a change of action, but the other that is to teach to love is something that something that requires a transformed heart. 
And a heart is not merely transformed by any man, any human wisdom, any anything that I can do for you or anyone can do for you. This world cannot change your heart. The only thing that can really enable you to love that is the very greatest ultimate thing that you're called to by God. The only one who can do that is the power of the Holy Spirit changing and transforming you into his image. And is that not what we lack so much? We know about all these rulings and we're going to go into some of them still tonight. But I want to submit before we do. We can't even begin with that until we recognize that we need a new heart. We need our living, true God who has miraculous power, supernatural power. We need to call upon him to change our hearts. Otherwise, we'll just look at this list of rules and either look at it with a heart of rebellion or we'll look at it and say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I do that. Yeah, I do that without it actually transforming, pricking our heart, convicting us and playing a role in making that change in our lives. So tonight is not just about a behavior modification to change your actions. It's about you getting a new heart. And we must look to him for that. Now, here's the thing that people don't understand about Israel and them in the wilderness there. When Moses came to them, he people think it's all about the promised land, right? Bringing them to this promised land. I want to submit to you that actually the initial call was not to go to the promised land. It was to go to the wilderness to have a feast unto the Lord. Let me open it here in Exodus for you briefly. Exodus 5 verse 1. And so we see this here written for us. Afterward, afterward, Moses and Aaron went and said to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Let my people go that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. It wasn't about in the beginning there. It wasn't about a promised land. It was about a presence. It was about it was about drawing near to him, having a, a feast in the wilderness. So it's from slavery to the presence of God. So oftentimes we've been so focused on this promised land salvation. We want to get what we want to get. God actually initially comes and he says, I just want to be with you. I want to have presence with you. I want you to have my presence in your life. And when that's there, is that not where everything else flows from? Where that promised land that we so desire then can flow in and to. But if it's all about this promised land and we've been so good at selling the promised land in Western Christianity, we've gone far and wide to sell the promised land. Come and get salvation. Get your tickets today here, folks. Right. As my wife would say, it's but that's not what the call of God is. Yes, that is that is a byproduct of having his presence because his name is salvation. But have you been more after the promised land than that presence of the one who is called salvation? See, any any ultimately, then when we think about it, he, he says, go and have the feast so that that feast of God is that is a righteous ruling where he's calling them to have a feast to him. See, it is ultimately the righteous rulings that are intertwined with this presence, with this relationship that Israel has with him. In other words, you you 
any relationship will have righteous rulings. Me and my wife, we have righteous rulings in our relationship. When you make a covenant with a spouse, right? It's I'm saying I'm going to be exclusive. I'm, it's just going to be me and you. There's no one else. I'm, I'm making myself set apart for you. I, we have arrangements that I'm not going to lie to you. We have arrangements of 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 I have to remember our anniversaries and and the things that we decide we cherish in our relationship or even the simple fact of, well, I'm going to do the dishes while you do the laundry. There are rulings that are in every relationship that have to be upheld. But in, in this world, this world has become adverse to any idea of a ruling. We even say things like it's all about relationship, not religion. And of course, there's many different things that people mean when they say that. But one thing that they do mean is we don't want rules. We don't want there to be any kind of a, 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 a what we should do and what we should not do. And yes, there are man-made rules, man-made traditions, man-made things that have crept in, man-made hypocrisies of religion that have crept in and distorted our view of what it's supposed to look like. But there is a true religion. There is a true ruling that we ought to follow. And that is his word. And then it is relationship that is to have the God that is near and it is the righteous rulings. And those two things become the nation that we are then known by. And so, brothers and sisters, before we go any further, I want to submit to you that this is what we are all about at this ministry. And we're going to be having a, a a gathering in Arkansas here coming up soon that I would like to invite you to see. I want to submit to you that this rise of family revival that we are we are hosting here in Arkansas, September the 1st through the 4th is going to be about calling God's people back to worship in truth. That is his word uncompromisingly and to walk in the Holy Spirit and to restore that relationship, that gospel that we ought to have in our lives emanating. Many of these things have fallen by the wayside in many of our denominations, but God is calling back. So if you us back, so if you want to know more about this, go to riseuprevival.com and I'd love to see you there. Now, let's move into the commandments here tonight. I would like to open up in uh, the Basically, what the Torah portion is, Deuteronomy 5, verse 6, with all of you here. And we're going to read these together. And we're going to move line by line and, and rediscover the beauty of these commandments. So he starts off in verse 6, and he says this, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. And then he so after proclaiming to us who he is, that he is, number one, a deliverer, that is how he wants us to remember him by the things that he's done for us is the things he will continue to do for us. And then he says the first commandment here, you shall have no other gods before me. And he says, you shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that's in heaven above and that's on the earth beneath or that's in the water under the earth. Okay, then he goes on and says, you shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third or fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. 
Okay, so notice something here. We see these two very similar commandments. You shall have no other gods before me, and you shall not make for yourself a carved image. Why are they separated when really it sounds like it's, well, don't worship idols? It's because that to, to have no other gods, right, doesn't only refer to carved images. It's, it can be things that aren't carved in our lives. Simply to have no other, to have another, another, no other God is to have nothing else superior to Yahweh in our thought, in our words, in our affections, in our actions. Every part of our being needs to place nothing above him, not even family or good things of this world. And then a carved image is to create an image of worship and to just make it simple. It's not just uh, like carved images like we think about the ancient times. It is to create something that we serve. It is to serve a human creation. And I want to submit that even in our modern age, AI is going to be probably one of those things that humanity has created that will become something that we worship, something that we start going to above God. And even when we look at anything in this world and we go to that thing before we go to God, we consider that our deliverance before God, even as simple as something as simple and innocent as going to a doctor. If that becomes the thing we put more hope in than in our savior, then we have lifted another God above the one true God in our lives. Let's move on to verse 11. He says now here, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Okay, so first off, this is always what people they always think about this one thing of, well, don't say, oh, my God, they don't, they say, don't say, you know, Jesus Christ or things like these things referring to him when we have a a, a cussing or a swear word that we want to insert when we use his name. And that is absolutely despicable and absolutely something we should turn from so easily. It becomes part of our ordinary life. But I want to submit to you that that is kindergarten compared to what this commandment is actually about. See, the person who still uses that kind of a language hasn't just hasn't even come into the first rung of what it means to be a believer. There's so much, it's so much deeper. It's about not misrepresenting who he is. His name is his character. His name is his reality. His name is his identity. And it is when in how we are believers that we live a life that does not represent him well, where we and our actions of hypocrisy and yet being a representative of him, we are really dragging his name through the mud. We are profaning his name. We are bringing his name to nothing when we live a life that comes to nothing. When we live a life of hypocrisy, when we live a life as if our father is the father of lies, while we say our father is the father of lights. And so I want to give you an example here in Exodus. 34 verse 14, we read one, one example, one such example. 
of that reality of who he is. He says, for you shall worship no other God for the Lord whose name is jealous is a jealous God. See, his reality of who he is, is he is a jealous God. When we worship another God, we break not only the commandment number two, two and number one, we can break commandment number three. We bring his name into vain. Another scripture, Isaiah 9, 6, it's for us. A child is born. A son is given. His name is wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. We can profane that identity and reality of who he is when we don't live a life worthy of his name. That is what the Pharisees, the religious men did in the first century. And that's why Yeshua was so that's why Jesus was so against their lives because of that hypocrisy. But what does it mean to really bring it into vain? See, vain is simply Something like, for example, Jeremiah uh, 2.30, in vain have I struck your children, they took your no correction. In vain you beautify yourself, your lovers despise you. So the scriptures uses this word vain, where you can say, oh, I do this for God, I do that for God, I go to church, I pray, I, I do all these things, but yet your heart is actually far from him. But yet you actually do these things in pretense. That is what it means to bring his name into vain and to have a worthless religion. That is breaking that third commandment. Number four, let's go to this commandment over here of um, Deuteronomy. Let me, let me go back there for us. Deuteronomy 5, verse 12. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. Okay, so first off, this word observe here, I want to share with you what it means here in the Greek. It means to properly hedge about. It means to guard. It means to protect, attend to, to preserve, to reserve, to market, to watch it. See, God is using this word with, with great intent. He knows what is going to happen to this commandment. It is by some. It's going to not be preserved by some. It's not going to be reserved. It's not going to be guarded. It's not going to be marked by many. Many are going to forget the very commandment that God asked us to remember. That's why he uses this word observe. That is actually a deep word. But this Sabbath day, what does it mean? He says in verse 13, six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh is a Sabbath. You shall not do any work. You, you or your son, your daughter, your male, your female servant, everyone, even your ox and donkeys <laughs> or the sojourner in your gates, everyone, they will rest with you. So you don't get to rest and give work to others. Verse 15, you shall remember that you were a slave, but he brought you out of slavery. Therefore, you shall remember to keep this day holy. See, brothers and sisters, this day that he has made for us and given us is so precious, so holy, so righteous, so blessed. It's a day where he has promised that he will make us right on the heights of the nations. He will make a way for us to even rest when we feel like we can't cease from labors, even when we feel like we can't. 
Just like when Israel were blessed, when they were as they were not gathering manna on the seventh day, but God said, if you gather on the sixth, I will give you enough to sustain you through the seventh. He's promising us that he will actually give us rest. And if, if you want to know how do you rest in Jesus? Well, one way is by keeping the Sabbath. Yes, Jesus is our Sabbath rest. But the, one of the best ways to rest in him is by actually following it with the action that he has given us. So he is our Sabbath rest, spiritually speaking, but he is also our rest on the seventh day. The seventh day is who he is. It is he is the Lord of the Sabbath. He's literally the Lord of the seventh day. And the Sabbath is not any day of the week, every day of the week. It is the day God has proclaimed. We don't get to decide it. He said it is the seventh day throughout scriptures. And this is the in Genesis before. Forget about when Moses came. In Genesis, he created the Sabbath as part of who, what creation is. He created it right like he made heaven and earth. He made the Sabbath like he made you and me as real as I am here and you are there. The Sabbath is remaining as part of creation and it doesn't fall away and it's not replaced by Sunday. It's not replaced by the first day. It's not replaced by Resurrection Day. Resurrection Day is beautiful to honor his resurrection every week even is beautiful. But the commandment that is inscribed on the tablets of stone and now on your heart is to rest on the Sabbath day, which is the seventh day, which is Saturday, as we know it in our language here today. And if you want to know more about the Sabbath, please go watch my teaching called Should Christians Remember the Sabbath that I did with one of our brothers. You can go find it on our YouTube channel. Should Christians Remember the Sabbath? Two hours of apologetics and discussion deeply regarding should we do it? Now, I want to go into the next commandment here. Honor your father and your mother. Uh, Deuteronomy 5, verse 16. Honor your father and mother as the Lord your God has commanded you, that your days may be long and that things may go well with you in the land that he is giving you. Isn't that interesting that he's making a promise right in the commandment that you're going to live longer and that that you will be blessed. Things will be well with you if you honor your father and your mother. But what does it mean to honor them? See, many people are confused by this commandment because they what if your father or mother, you know, what if they're not believers? What if they're um, asking you to do things that are kind of going against your conscience with the fall or your father in heaven and with what the Bible's calling you to see to honor them is to hold them in great respect, hold them in esteem, hold them in honor, have high regards for them. See, it's interesting that God loves us, that God holds us in high regards as his children, that he considers us and he numbers our hair. He like all of this is not because we have done good things and because we've been perfect. It's because of who we are, that we are his sons and daughters. And in the same way, he calls us to now love our parents, not necessarily for what they've done or haven't done for us or to us, but rather because of the motherhood and the fatherhood that they are in our lives, that they are an identity of a father or a mother to us. That's why we honor them, because God has given them in that role to us. And so we have to remove their actions 
from their identity and love them for who they are, not just for what they should have done or could have done, but didn't do. And so we can love them for what they've done, but ultimately we love them for who they are and who, how God has given them to us. That through them, God has brought us into this world. And that is something worth honoring. And that's why honoring them honors our father who is in heaven. But it doesn't mean that when they ask you to do something that is sinful or against your conscience that you go along with it. That's not what honoring them means. Ultimately, God remains our God. Our Heavenly Father remains the one true God. And so ultimately, brothers and sisters, Yeshua, Jesus came and he said, you should deny father, mother, brother, sister, anyone for my name's sake. When anyone comes in the way of worshiping him and being his disciple, then ultimately we deny them to accept him. But we love them forever as we are called to do. Okay, so I hope that that gives you a glimpse that we can't excuse not honoring them because of how they may have treated us. Because I understand many of us have been hurt by our, our parents, perhaps through our lives. But God is calling us to have uh, reconciliation, to forgive them where they have hurt us and to be in unity with them as far as possible. Always. All right, let's go to the next one. Uh, Deuteronomy 5 verse 17. And this commandment is simply that you shall not murder. All right. What does that mean? Well, all of us would say, well, you know, I, I was just at a conference a, a few weeks ago and I remember I asked in, in the room, who's ever lied? You know, and everyone's hand goes up. And I asked, well, who's ever taken something that's not theirs? And, you know, everyone's hand goes up. Who's ever looked at a woman with lust or a man with lust? You know, everyone's hand goes up. And I asked, so who's ever murdered? And everyone's hands go right down. But see, there's a misunderstanding because ultimately, have we not spoken evil of another? Have we not gossiped before? Have we not uh, born false witness about a brother or a sister? Have we not betrayed anyone ever? Have we not ever spoken evil of someone else before someone else? See, that is murdering someone's character when we spread lies about them, even things we may think are true or not true. Ultimately, when we destroy their character, we murder their reputation before others. When we don't follow biblical protocol to go to them when we hear something and see, it is so See, you can murder someone in your heart. And it, what is really the difference? Many people even commit suicide because they have been murdered emotionally because false witnesses and false accusations have been spread in communities, in schools and online and people's hurt. They, they kill themselves. Why? Because they feel murdered inside. And then the outward expression that suicide is simply following through with what someone has done to their heart inside. And so, by the way, if you ever feel suicidal, you know, contact our ministry, call, go to riseonfire.com and write to us. We want to be there for you. It's never worth it 
to follow in the footsteps of what someone proclaims over you if they proclaim evil over you. You know, there's there's a God who loves you and has truth to proclaim. I just feel like there's someone watching this right now who's got suicidal thoughts. And I want to submit to you that don't listen to the voice of the enemy and voice of others who are lying to you. Listen to the voice of your heavenly father. Incline your ear to him because he says in his word that I have knit you together in your mother's womb. I have purpose. I have calling. I have things that I want to use you in powerfully if you would trust me with your life. Give him your life and see the beauty that he does with it. But this commandment of you shall not murder, it really goes so hand in hand with this commandment here in verse 20. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Because that is part of what murder in the heart is. See, so often, brothers and sisters, and I, I, we have all experienced this. You know, when we hear something about someone else, something negative, someone comes to you with a negative report about someone else, you are not biblically, you are, and by what Yeshua, what Jesus calls us to, we are not allowed to assume what we hear is true. We're not allowed. See, the moment that you assume it, you have borne witness to your own heart about someone else. Let me say that again. When you assume something is about someone else based off the witness of someone else without going to that person you have heard it about and verifying the account, asking, hey, listen, I heard this about you. Some, uh, and, and I want to know, is this really what you believe? Is this really what you've done? Is this really true? Because if you don't do that, if you don't go forth and ask that person, what's going to happen is in your own heart, even when, no matter what you say, your own heart's going to be polluted by the assumption with that you never went to verify. And that makes you guilty of bearing false witness in the least to your own heart about another, which then in what the heart then is full of, it will flow out of the mouth. And then eventually one day you're going to say, repeat that accusation, repeat that assumption that you have about another person because you never went to verify it. And let me say just how it is. In the body of Christ, in the movement of God, in the denominations that I have been a part of and seen, this is rampant. This is so rampant that we 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 hear things, even things, man, like, listen to me, even like, let me make another example here. If you hear me say something, if you hear someone else say something and you you're like, wow, is that really what they mean? And you're not sure you need to go to them and ask, is this really what you meant and have dialogue? Instead of shutting them off, shutting them down, throwing them out of your life and or even in your heart, throwing them out as, as untrustworthy without actually going to them and verifying with them. Like, really, brother, sister, is this actually what you mean? Did you misspeak? Because you know that did you know it's possible to misspeak? And and there are many all of us have misspoken. We've say, said something that we didn't really phrase right. We didn't mean it the way it came out of our mouth and we didn't even realize the way that it may be interpreted by anyone because there are so many, many interpretations that we can have for some something. Isn't it worth who Yeshua is to love your brother as to love your neighbor as yourself? But the best way to do that is to actually go in love to your neighbor and verify what they have said. 
so they can be understanding and unity. How can you have unity when you falsely accuse and have a bare, bare false witness in your own heart because you actually did not go to uncover what the truth is. But sometimes we don't want to know what the truth is. Listen to me here, brothers and sisters. And this is what the Holy Spirit is speaking. Sometimes you don't want to know what the truth is. That's why you don't go to that person. That's why you don't go to verify. Because you want the assumption, the what you have heard to be true. And so you don't go to verify it. And then you just repeat it, repeat it, repeat it. And you bear false witness, murder other people's reputations. And you go along because you want what you think is true to be true regardless of whether it is and this commandment right here is being broken left that's why i'm going on about this it's being broken left and right and it breaks my heart because the enemy has a feast with you he has a feast in your life and in and through you, the father of lies, because you repeat nothing but lies. And you say, well, I didn't know it was a lie. Well, why didn't you know? Because you did not verify. You did not go and look for the evidence of two to three witnesses as the scripture demands of us as believers. If we want to say we're ambassadors of truth, let us be ambassadors of truth. Let us be the ones who seek the two to three witnesses and say, I am not going to settle with one witness. I'm not even going to settle just with seeing and mishearing what someone says. I'm going to verify and get witnesses before I come to a conclusion that is negative about a brother or a sister. See, the, the devil hates what I'm saying right here, right now, because he loves it when we don't do due diligence. He loves it when we throw out God's commandments and the high standard of Yeshua to be as he was. Because that means that he can sow discord among brethren. And you may not have a heart for unity, but I do. And Yeshua does as well. Jesus is saying no, no more of this disunity among my people because of your sin. Repent of your sin so that I can bond you together in unity once again. So that you can be the light to the world that I have called you to be. I'm not even fully sure why he is putting this so heavy on my heart, but it must be something big in the body that's going on right now. And perhaps you can bear witness in the chat if you're in the live chat tonight. If you've seen this, just write in the chat. I am seeing this myself. I have seen this. You can see, brothers and sisters, the Holy Spirit is calling us to a deeper keeping of do not murder, a deeper keeping of the commandment of don't bear false witness. Will you keep the commandment truly or only superficially? And that goes for all that we are discussing here tonight. Let's move on to the next one here. So we're going into verse um, uh, verse 18. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not watch pornography is really what it's saying right there. You shall not look at a woman with lust as Jesus came to fill up and meaning for us as he spoke about this commandment. You shall not go and look upon someone with lust when you're not in covenant with them. That to, to see someone the way that we can now see people even on Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, social media, the way people are are exposing themselves in horrible ways because they don't know who they are. We now we can witness those things and then we're witnessing things that is really supposed to be for the marriage bed alone. 
To see someone who is your wife or your husband in that manner is only reserved for what he intended it for. So when we see someone who is not our spouse, who we're not in covenant with in, in, in any way of showing skin, I'm not even just talking about nakedness. I'm talking about just that which is that which is not uh, modest. You know, when we are gazing upon these things and when we're allowing ourselves to fall into those stumblings, we are allowing our heart to fall into adulteries. And so, brothers and sisters, let's not let's not just say, oh, well, I haven't done the real thing. I haven't like actually gone and done the act, so I haven't committed adultery. Jesus raised that standard a long time ago, about 2000 years ago. There's no more such excuse that we have if we want to call ourselves believers. Let's move on to the next one. You shall not steal. See, when people think about this as well, they they think about just taking something that's not theirs, and that is huge. However, it's also about making something yours that's not yours in your heart. It's really very connected to this commandment here in verse 21 of you shall not covet your neighbor's anything. See, to steal something in your heart is connected because see, you can you can ultimately we, we, we see this extended to things like uh, even copyright law today. You see, it's not just about physical things anymore. It's about the fact that you stole someone's idea and really just copied it, copied it, copied it and never gave credit. It, it, it's about how you actually went and downloaded that music without actually having the license, without paying for it, never get letting the artist have their royalties for what you're consuming. Or it's about, you know, uh, software or all these intangible things that we have access to in this modern world through technology that we just download and take when it's not ours to take, when it's not been given, when we've not paid for it, we've stolen it instead. It's like walking into any store and taking an apple when you haven't paid for it. It's the same thing. And that is breaking a commandment of God. It's not a small thing. It's not something to take lightly. And like I, I when I was young, I remember I never thought about it this way. But I, you know, it was just cool. It was normal to just copy and download music for one another. And, but God just had to come and show me. And when, with software, you know, it's so easy to just like get around software and, and not pay for software where we or at where they where they're charging us to do so. Like, like no more of that. Don't steal that which is not yours. Pay for what you use and God will bless you. He will provide for you so that you can pay for it. But don't try and get out of it and, and, and fall into try and take shortcuts and loops around these things in this world. Don't break his commandments. And so let's go on to this last one here. Verse 21. And you shall not covet your neighbor's wife. You shall not desire your neighbor's house, field, male servant, female servant, ox, donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. God is calling us to be content. And so what I am always reminded of is this scripture here in Philippians 4 verse 11. And he says this. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. 
No matter what we face, a lot or a little, we will go through times of plenty and times of little in our lives. Seasons whereby God tests us. But the question is, is will you be content? And, and how can you be content? How can you be content with little or with someone else having more than you or someone else looking that like they're more blessed than you or someone else being, you know, whatever. Ultimately, it is in this in this reality that he says right here, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. He Jesus is Yeshua, the Messiah is the one who strengthens us. He is the one who provides. He is enough enough for us for us to be satisfied and completely content in him is what he desires for us to live in as his disciples and so my sisters uh as i before i end this night off i want to go into the live chat here and um just going to go through some of these here with you all hang out with you guys for a little bit. Uh, we see that Donna said, yes, this world has made it too easy to steal. Yeah, it is. It has become something that can be done in secret. It's become something that can be done without anyone knowing just like and that's what really what's happened in this world, isn't it? Is that sins have become so easy to hide and do in private, whether it's adulteries, sexual immoralities, you can do at your house and no one would know you think except that your father who's in heaven sees it all and nothing is hidden from his sight and that you can fool people now man but you're going to get before him and you're not going to fool him uh anthony said walk in the spirit and not the flesh amen amen anthony um i'm gonna go Further here, uh, Charlie Ray said the matter must be established with two or more witnesses. I mean, Charlie, and I think, you know, with even with all of the misinformation that's out there, you know, we as people, as believers, we're supposed to be ambassadors of truth. Be careful of just repeating information without verifying it, because then when we are sharing things that we aren't 150 percent sure is true we are now ambassadors of falsehood and we therefore put our father's name in vain right because that is then what we become known for and that is unfortunately may i just say this is what um, christianity in the west is becoming known for a and, and sometimes those accusations have been false, but sometimes I fear those accusations have been true from the world where we are settling for anything and everything. And we are not actually doing due diligence to ensure that we don't spread falsehood or even that which we are not sure of. Um, Consulo. I hope I'm saying your name right, is sharing. Thank you, Petey, for bringing awareness of things that we take so lightly, but have a great impact on the kingdom of God. Well, praise the Father. His commandments will never become boring. Even the 10, especially, should never become boring to us. Anthony said also, gossiping is wrong. Amen, Anthony. Amen. So, guys, ultimately, I want to submit to you that we are in this world, we're in this 
time, in this place. And, and God is calling us to be ambassadors and take that ambassadorship of his name to the next level. Let's really walk out Yeshua everywhere we go to such a deep, beautiful extent that, that because of our enjoyment of him and his presence, so that he his reputation is not dragged dragged through the mud because of us. So I want to just take some time here uh, tonight and pray before we start ending things off. I want to just also share with you that if you're still with me listening here, you can get a notification about our live stream by sending a text message. If you send a message, Yeshua, that is Y E S. H U A. If you send Yeshua to nine four zero zero zero, then you'll get a text notification whenever I'm planning to go live. So you can join me in the live chat. That's Yeshua to nine four zero zero zero. And yeah, let's pray. Father, I pray God for everyone in the chat and everyone listening to this later. Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would help us to identify where we've been breaking your commandments, where we've been falling short of your glory. Convict us, Holy Spirit, and, and guide us into a deeper place to look more like you, Yeshua. Yeshua, help us to be in the image of God as you, dis as you made us in Genesis. Father, do not let the enemy become our father of lies, but let you become the one who is our father forevermore. And that when everyone sees us, they will see that you are our father. Father, help us. You Lord, you say that they will know us by the love we have for one another. Help us to love one another, O oh Lord. Help us to love our neighbor. Help us not make excuses for disunity and hatreds and divisions and all of these. But Father, O oh Father, help us to be restored back to one another so that there can be unity. And I even pray amongst the leaders in Christianity and believers, anyone who any leaders of ministries, I pray, Lord, that begins there. And I pray, Lord, that you would restore leadership unity, that they would put their differences aside, that they would forgive one another, that they would pick up the phone and call the leader that hurt their feelings. They would call the one that betrayed them, that they would that they would start working together, even in their theological disagreements, Father, so that the body, that your body can follow those leaders in unity, so that the body would follow and not be in the divisions that it is currently in. Oh, Father, come and save us, oh Lord. Help us, deliver us from our sin and our addiction. Let's speak to every unclean spirit of lust and lying, deceit and gossip and and that which which uh, what tries to exalt some other God that is idol worship. Really, I, I speak to all um, um, malice and covetousness in the name of Yeshua. All of the spirits behind these things, we command that to leave anyone listening to this in the name of Yeshua. And Father, I thank you, Lord, for bringing a fresh breath of your Holy Spirit, like an axe to upon your people so that the fruits of the spirit can come out of your people. And Father, I thank you for the present trials and tribulations that as we are pressed, that fruit will come out of us, that you're refining us and that good fruit will be 
what comes out in the name of Yeshua the Messiah. Guys, thank you so much for joining me here tonight. If this broadcast has been a blessing to you, I always say this at the end so that just those of you who were really blessed may hear this part. If this has been a blessing to you and if the Father places this on your heart, consider partnering with us and supporting this ministry. It is by the support of those who feel so inclined to do so that we can continue making these videos and I can continue in the ministry work that the Father has laid before me. So if the Father places that on your heart, you can go to riseonfire.com. Thank you so much for joining me. Many blessings and I love you guys. Shalom.